Hello once again, ladies, gentlemen, fanatics of all ages. Welcome to Philly's Therapy Weekly Edition. We're back. My name is Paul Boyer, joined as always by the Athletics' Matt Gelb. Matt, we are mere days away from the very first spring training games. It feels like, to me, this year, more than years past, it feels like this is a more momentous start to a spring. I know that's a little bit, I don't know if ironic is the right word, coming off of these other off-seasons where the Phillies have had all this flurry of activity and new imports and new faces to see in red. And, ooh, it's exciting to get a first look at what this guy's like on our team when this has been the exact opposite of that this past winter. And yet I feel more excited. I feel like I have a little bit more juice coming into this spring. I can't explain it. I don't feel like I need to. I'm just going to keep riding that wave. Hi, Matt. How are you? You're really excited to see Colby Allard start the Grapefruit League opener on Saturday. Huh? I am. I am pumped for all of it. I can I can just feel it coming back. I have that version of this sickness where I can look up and down the list of NRIs. I can see Tyler McKay and his silhouette placeholder portrait icon on the page <laughs> and be like, yes, I want to see what that guy can do. That's just where I am. He's got a great, he's got a great mustache. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. Camp, so. that's, that's amazing. And like, that's the stuff I want. That's the stuff I want. It's coming. It's almost here. We're going to start getting MLB TV stuff for those of us who are out of market. Of course, I live in the freaking New York City TV market. So all of my watching happens outside of Mets games on MLB TV. Thank you, MLB TV. I hate you, but I love you. And here we go. And we're kicking things off. It's just, it feels great. It feels like a time where the optimism should be at its highest point, right? The whole team, basically the whole team is coming in healthy, in some cases healthier than they've ever come into a camp. You know, I look at I still have the NRI page up and I have this this banner in, in the gutter on the side and I see Ranger Suarez's face and how many springs in the past has he, you know, not been able to get a full load of work in for one reason or another, whether, you know, injury related, visa related. You have Trey Turner, whose face is larger above Rangers on this side rail, looking at me very, you know, intimidatingly. He'll be coming in with his, you know, feet under him, you expect, in his second year here in Philadelphia, hopefully feeling comfortable. I just feel like the end of February and the start of the spring training game schedule is just a time to feel good about things and then to let the waves of injuries and everything else sort of crash over you as the month goes on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it's a, it's a team that has a very clear uh, mandate and mission. Uh, it's a team that, you know, did not have a lot of change in the offseason. Mm -hmm. uh, you can walk into the clubhouse every morning and like, you know, it, it's, it's as if these guys have been together for a long time and well, spoiler alert, they have, I mean, like they have been, they know each other really well. And like that, that whole getting to know you phase, um, is not a thing this spring really. Uh, and you know, the focus is solely on, you know, obviously the biggest goal is winning it all, but also what I think is like goal one a is like getting off to a, a better start, like a good start. Yeah. Um, and that's something that this, this club has not been able to do in recent years. So, um, I, I think the spring is, you know, really a focus on that. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's like good to get the game started. I mean, the workouts are already like, you know, rather tedious, even though they've only been doing them for, you know, like a little more than a week officially. Uh, but I think everyone's just kind of like, you know, you get to this point, like, uh, you're ready to just like see games. You're ready. You're ready to like, just have a little level of competition, even if it's great for league style. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the slow start point is a great thing. Um, 
to bring up because what they were four games under 500 through May last year. They were eight games under 500 through May in 2022. Both of those years, of course, you may remember they ended up going to the league championship series and beyond. Uh, so just imagine what things could be like if they actually play like a pending contending team in April and May. Huh, what a concept. Yeah, I mean, like, what's the one thing that these last two seasons have lacked? And it and it's and it's like it's a divisional race, right? It's like a yeah. it's like those, you know, critical, like real feel real important feeling divisional games in September. Uh, you know, you think back to the previous, you know, glory day, glory era of Phillies baseball and think about all those seminal moments that happened in like September's past, like in 07 and 08, you know, where you're trying to chase down a team ahead of you in the standings and you're within reach and these great moments happen. Like, I think that would be really cool if they're, uh, you know, if they have something similar this year. Absolutely. You know, and to a point you mentioned a minute ago, about there not being a lot of turnover, there has been one recent addition since the last time we spoke and met up with all of you out there in Philly's therapy land. You may have heard in the last couple of days that former Kansas City Royal and Toronto Blue Jay great Whit Merrifield has joined the band on a guaranteed one-year deal with a second-year option and a small buyout. Now, the interesting thing here is that Whit Merrifield is not necessarily the guy a lot of people were talking about when it came to filling out the bench when this offseason started. I don't think this was a name at the top of a lot of people's list. That's not to say he wasn't capable. It's not to say there wasn't necessarily a good fit. We'll talk a little bit more about this in a second. But just the fact that Merrifield was coming off of basically a a career full of, of regular starting playing time And there was not that to be had, really, on this roster. Yet the Phillies had a need. They needed to fill out their bench. They needed to uh, feel like they could upgrade at a position that could, you know, stand at multiple positions on the field. But there just wasn't a great mix of the guys that were left on the free agent pool as being that potential talent upgrade. But also, there was a gap. You would get a little bit too high. The guy, some of the guys who were left were maybe a little bit too skilled or wanted too much playing time for what the Phillies could offer. And so now we have this kind of surprising fit where Whit Merrifield is the guy on a one-year deal for eight million dollars. Uh, Matt, I, I'll, I'll kick this one off by saying you're going to surprise me here because I don't know how you feel about this yeah. signing yet, and this signing has generated, you know, really uh, extreme opinions, which is. A little surprising to me because I don't it know that is. A, I don't know that it warrants extreme opinions. But go ahead. I, I don't think it does either. And just to br- briefly correct myself, the eight million guarantee includes that one million dollar buyout on the next yeah, especially one year eight million. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I uh, I started out thinking okay, fine, because I looked at I looked at Merrifield as a guy whose season line sort of belied what kind of player he was in 2023. It all sort of fell toward the middle when really he was two different guys. You know, this was a guy who started out the year great. And then through the trade deadline, as I pull up his numbers right here to look at him, you know, through the trade deadline, he's hitting over 300 with a 780 OPS. You know, you take that eight days a week on this team, a right-handed bat who could potentially spell some of the left-handed hitters that occupy second base and left field, which are the positions he primarily plays, that being Merrifield, and a guy through the trade deadline hitting as well as he did. Well, of course you take that. Of course, if he keeps hitting like that through the end of the year and doesn't instead, uh, let's look at this span real quick from August and September, 
hit 212 with a 538 OPS through the end of the year, striking out 34 times in his just under 200 plate appearances. Well, then it's a different story. And then he is. He wouldn't have been signing for one year exactly. and $8 million dollars for a part time job. Exactly. That's exactly right. So I think what it comes down to is how much I believe one version or the other is going to show up and how often he will need to play in order to stay fresh, but also not potentially wear down like he did last year. You know, if somebody goes down and he has to step in, you risk seeing this happening again. It's a natural thing. Guys, as they get into their mid to late 30s, baseball players playing every day, 162 games a year. Uh, that's a lot of wear and tear. It's just, it's what happens. I, at the end of the day, am totally fine with this. What overrides everything for me is that I have such a hard time hating any one-year deal, which is a, which is essentially what this is. And if the Phillies come to a point, and Merrifield too, come to a point where that option for next year looks viable for $8 million again, something went really right. And anything short of that, all right, well, then it was a one-year deal. And that's it. Is it a little more expensive than I think you would expect to be paying somebody to fill a part-time role? Yeah, okay. But that this kind of comes back to the whole, you know, Colby Allard, Spencer Turnbull thing. This is what the Phillies are doing right now. They flex the nine-digit muscle, and now they're using a little bit more of their resources to lure somebody in who might be a little bit better than the role they're recruiting for by offering him a little bit more money to do that. So I... I think it's fine. I don't know what version we're going to get of him. I would love it if he's still able to run a little bit. He used to be a fantastic base running threat. Um, the Phillies could use a little bit more of that, I think. I don't know if we should expect 25 steals, but that would be cool. That would be a nice bonus. Um, I'm fine with it in the end. I, I don't love it. I certainly don't hate it. I think I'm fine with it because of the role that he's going to have and the role that they intend for him. You know, I think you would be concerned if they sign him in his current state and say, you know, we we want this guy to get 500 plate appearances. Uh, They very clearly do not. Uh, I think this is a guy who is going to start twice, maybe three times a week. Uh, Maybe he plays his way into a bigger role, you know, if he hits or if somebody else doesn't produce. Um, But I think the characteristics he has... uh, are ones that should translate well into a part-time role. And we don't know because it's a part-time, you know, it's a role that he's never filled. He's been everyday guy. He had this crazy consecutive game streak with the Royals, um, you know, for like the parts of like five seasons, he played every game. Um, But he is a guy who relies on contact. Um, He does have some defensive versatility and I know he's not the greatest defender. They are going to try him at different spots this spring. Like he'll play some third. Do you think he'll pick up, you know, a little bit of first base this spring. Okay. Um, and are these spots where he's going to be a plus defender or, you know, probably not, but if he can do it, that just gives him more options. Right. Um, and yeah, I think the fit is there. Uh, it gives him options in the outfield. You know, it's not just solely going to be for one guy, you know, so let's say uh, on Friday, you know, they're facing a, a tough lefty. Well, we're going to give Marsh a day. This will be his one day this week that he doesn't play. So Merrifield slots in the left. Maybe one day there's a matchup where they just feel like they need more offense or, you know, maybe Rojas needs a day. Well, Marsh can slide over to center and Merrifield plays left. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Stott's not going to play on 162. 
you know, you start thinking of other contingencies too. It's like, okay, let's say Trey Turner goes down with a hamstring for 19 days. Uh, you know, Stott slides over to shortstop. Merrifield plays second. I mean, these are just like all the little, you know, I know you have Edmundo Sosa who you like. I don't know, you know, how much you can rely on him to be like an everyday guy for three weeks. Like I think we saw um, what happens when he gets a little overexposed. And maybe the same thing yeah. will happen with Merrifield. Um, I just, it just gives you other options. And like we talked all off season about how they have really no depth. And um, <laughs> did they over, did they overpay? Like, yeah, I think they absolutely did. Um, I think yeah, in terms yeah. of Philly's world, like an extra $2 million maybe is what it took to get this done. It's like, whatever. And it's not my money. Um, but you know, nope, it seems like it's kind of like, it's kind of like whatever money to them right now. Um, you know, younger players on the bench. We've seen that in recent years. It's a hard job. Like it's probably the toughest job there is in the sport. I mean, it's really hard to not play every day to be having frequent at bats and to be productive. Um, he has seen a lot in this game. He's 35. Like just because he hasn't done this role before, doesn't mean he won't be successful. I think he has the traits and the tools to be successful in that role mm. uh, as an experienced guy. And like, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I think, I think something, I think something has gone wrong if he gets 400 plate appearances here. Like if it's more, if it's like 300 ish, I think that's a really good, they're in good shape there. Yeah. That sounds about right to me. That sounds about right. I, one, one downstream impact that I think the extra money could have, could have is on the tax level, the CBT, the competitive balance tax. The Phillies, just based on roster resources, current estimations are at roughly $261 million in payroll for 2024. Now, as you may be aware, we're all still kind of getting familiar with the the CBT and its thresholds. I know it, it, it confuses me even still. I need to look it up every single time I want to check these things. But the floor for the CBT, the, the very first threshold starts at $237 million this year. So the Phillies are obviously well clear of that. Where things start getting interesting and we start talking about impacts beyond just money, beyond just overage taxes, are when you hit $40 million or more above that. So that would be $277 million. At 261, the Phillies have roughly 15 to $16 million in, we'll call it wiggle room, to make improvements through July. All right. Now you need to factor in things like promotion costs and, and other little things, blah, blah, blah. And by the time you get to July, things are prorated. So there aren't going to be too many guys who are still making, you know, that much money, even combined, even if you add like two major league salaries together. There's just there's not a lot that could push you up against that. So I think just based on my amateur accounting and financial, you know, I'm wearing the the, the fake green visor right now. <laughs> I, I don't think the extra money allocated to Merrifield's spot, even if it is overpay, and it is for this role, you don't expect it's a huge win for player and union. I'm sure they're like, hell yeah, a part-timer gets $8 million. Let's go. Um, but as far as this is concerned, I don't think it has any sort of blocking impact on moves the Phillies could make and will probably need to make. You know, we keep saying seeing them make starting pitching moves, we'll probably need to make come July. I think they're still in an okay position to maneuver without risking that, you know, like they would have for say a Yoshinobu Yamamoto, you know, somebody who they felt was worth going over that threshold to acquire. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think you're right. I mean, I think they were always going to go over that second uh, tier, that second threshold, mm-hmm. um, but, but not the third. Uh, and so uh, they definitely have wiggle room. I can't imagine there's a trade they make during the season that gets them over that third tier. Um, 
they're they're where they need to be. Um, yes, they're going to pay you know higher rate of tax, um, and you know uh, not my money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's yeah. Just, I think that's uh, it. You know, uh, <laughs> it's going to be it's a, it's a high payroll. It's the highest payroll they ever had. Uh, it's going to be top five again, I think. Um, so yeah, I I think you know that's really just what it comes down to. But but. There are some other moves looking beyond just this year that, of course, we're all still paying attention to. One is the continued talk about Bryce Harper's late career extension, which we won't really talk about right now because not, there's nothing new there and there's nothing really there's nothing really extra to talk about there. We've we've been over this at the start of the offseason. It's just it, it's kind of a thing. It'll probably be in the back of our minds a little bit here and there. We'll remember once every three weeks. Oh, yeah. Remember when? Scott Boris was talking about paying Bryce Harper through his forties when there's still seven years left on his deal. Um, we're going to leave that aside, but Zach Wheeler is a little more pressing and we will keep talking about him because each week that passes during spring training without his extension kind of makes you think, ah, we're just living through that Nola redux again. We're risking it. What's going on. Uh, there was a little bit of, there's a little bit of thought now that, okay, the Phillies made an offer to Yamamoto, a competitive one, maybe not necessarily over what was guaranteed by the Dodgers. I, I, there seem to be conflicting things coming out about that. Before I get any, any deeper into this, what was the offer? Like, do you have, has anybody given a figure of what they offered? Like, do we know? Uh, well, it was started with a three and I would say this, okay. like, I don't think it's accurate that they offered more guaranteed money than the Dodgers did. Oh, uh, okay. I, I don't think that's accurate. I think their offer was, was a good one. I think it was competitive. I think it was right around uh, you know number that a lot of teams were at. Um, maybe there's some creative accounting you can do to say that they offered more guaranteed money. But like, I think that the number itself was not higher than the Dodgers number. Okay. That is my understanding of the situation. Okay. So they, they, they may run at it, but then there wasn't really, and again, it, it was a good. They show. could have. I think they could have offered him four hundred and fifty million, and he wouldn't have signed with the. Bills. Well, yeah, right. Of course, those are uh, my. That's my opinion. That's I my. think then, now that we know the Phillies were in, that they were competitive, that they made a very serious nine-digit offer. We know there's still money to be spent there. We know that the coffers are not empty. They, nothing's running dry. That they have the resources still. There has been talk in both directions that Zach Wheeler means a lot to this team, both for this year and the next couple. He's expressed his desire to stay. People on the team side have said, well, yeah, we want to keep him. We want to find common ground. All of the boxes are being checked here. And yet we start, start ticking off the days here where it's like, all right, don't have an agreement yet. Don't have an agreement yet. But well, is there's, there there's more, there won't? might be some more pressing business for Zach Wheeler in the immediate they're 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 about to uh, they're they're gonna have another kid very soon. Uh, well, like the there you month. go. Okay, uh, I think it's baby number three. Yeah, it's our third. Um, I, I think it's gonna happen. Like it's supposed to happen sometime like in the next week or so. I think oh. so. Like I think there's you know he uh, there's just like he's got a lot going on right now. Um, so like I do I do I do think they're talking. Um, and, and you know I don't think anything has changed there. I just think it might you know there's just other stuff right now more important. Well, yeah, forgive me for missing that. And congratulations. No, no, I don't think it's like necessarily like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's great. I mean, yeah, one of the I, I am definitely a little bit less ear to the ground than I than I used to be. So I miss out on things like that. But that is 
one of those things you just have to consider when getting a little impatient, like I was just then. When, <laughs> well, you know, you know, baby, baby, baby Nola is coming. He's probably going to, he might, I mean, maybe they're going to try to figure out the rotation so that he doesn't miss a start, but baby Nola is coming like early April. Um, so they'll have to navigate that. But yeah, um, yes, the, the two aces are, Will will be a father of three. And then this is uh, Nola's first, uh, first kid. Well, that's wonderful. That's great stuff. And it's always nice to think about the human aspect of these guys once in a while, you know, nice to see that the, the impacts this will have on the regular season and the games that count are, you know, they're, they're not superseding the real human element of what's happening here. You know what I mean? Like, it's nice to see that the priorities are in order that it's so even cynical for me to think about a team not honoring that or not making the effort to, to accommodate for the birth of a child. But I just, uh, I'm a little, I'm a little jaded by the way things work these days. Um, so it's just always nice to hear that teams take care of their own and, and go out of their way to make it work. I, I don't know that the bar is just so low. I'm so, I'm so sorry. The bar is so low, but that's just where I'm at. <laughs> yes. These days. Well, and once, once Noel has his, uh, has his baby, uh, you know, he he can stop, you know, making fun of me for going bald. Uh, he can he can fully uh, understand why I've like I'm like, you know, full on, you know, receding oh. hairline because of, you know, my two kids. I mean, you know, no, nah, we joke about it. It's funny. We do. It's like I I, I want to go gray before I go bald. I'm just I'm, I'm clinging to the hope <laughs> that I go gray before I go bald. We'll, we'll see. I haven't lo- I haven't lost all my hair yet, but. Oh, I know the day's coming. I just, I want to see, I want to be a silver fox. I grew up, I, <laughs> I, look, I saw how Chase Utley aged. That's my dream, right? That's, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's what you want to look like, man. You know, I, I don't, I don't really have the, I don't really have the frame, but I'm just talking about the hair, you know, neck up. Well, I guess scalp up. We'll work, we'll work on that. We'll work from the scalp on down. I just I, I want to see that happen, and I would so much rather do that than have to resort to buzzing. Uh, nobody wants to see that. Oh, nobody wants to see this this face bald. Uh, anyway, where were we? We're talking about baseball, right? Whoops. Oh, you there? I'm sorry. Whoops. <laughs> Speaking of kids, like I just I'm sorry. I think that was I'm trying to book a birthday party for my daughter, and it was calling my phone, and I I couldn't hear you for the last three minutes, two minutes. So I hope you weren't talking about anything important. Uh, no, just receding hairlines and looking good from the scalp up <laughs> in similarity to Chase Utley. I might even just leave that. I feel like that works um, because my segue was about to be tremendous. And speaking of good hair, Alec Bohm is still occupying third base. <laughs> See, I just I, I'm effortless with this, Matt. You just you can't teach what I know. Alec Bohm is still play- <laughs> Alec Bohm is still playing third base uh, and he played it pretty well last year. He made improvements. You know, Bobby Dickerson, the magic man. Um, but he's still not going to be there forever. You know, history is not on his side. There are few players of Alcbone's size and, and size uh, matters for this position that have lasted as long at third base as he has. That's not to take away from what the immediate and near term could look like. He could have another good year defensively at third base this year. He's still young enough where that's totally reasonable, of course. But in the future, it's hard to envision Alec Bohm being a successful defensive third baseman into his 30s. I'm just happy that timeline has been pushed out because we were talking about this sort of thing two years Correct. ago. 
you yes, know? Correct. So yeah. like, relatively speaking, I'm, I'm very happy with the way things have gone. It's still a contingency to plan for though. Now you have Bryce Harper entrenched at first base, presumably permanently the way everybody's talking. He's not going back out to the outfield and doesn't seem to be settling into the thought of being a perma DH in the next two, three years. And that's hopeful, but I, I it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. So now what to make of Alec Bohm? What to make of the future of the headbanded wonder who loses his hat about as often as Manny Ramirez used to and what his future could be here on this team. He recently um, finally settled up his arbitration case. He won it. Make $4 million this year. And he's got two more arbitration years coming up after this, 25 and 26. Beyond that, though, to me, Matt, this feels a lot like the way Reese Hoskins was progressing through his arb years, where it just doesn't seem like for one reason or another, and the reasons are varied, and it is complex. It's not to say he's a bad player in three years, but for varied and many reasons, it feels like 2026 would be Alec Bohm's last year here, assuming there isn't a big change elsewhere coming. I don't know what that change would be. Matt, help, help me understand. Is Alec Bohm looking at a year-to-year sort of progression, maybe buying out the last two ARB years? Is there a path for him to staying on this team when his day of free agency, presumably, predictably, comes for 2027? I mean, the, the Bryce news, and I will call it news. I mean, we knew he was going to be at first base for 2024, but, you know, in talking to him, and I, he made it pretty clear, and he's like, never say never. And, of course, like, you, you don't want to say never, but, um, you know, he sounds like a guy who wants to spend uh, the rest of his career at first base. And to me, that uh, that will imperil Bohm's future, I think, following 2026, right? 2026. Um, I agree with you. I mean, like, I think you're looking at a year-to-year thing here. Um, You mentioned the size thing. Bohm's listed at 6'5". He might, I don't know, he might even be taller than that. He's a very tall guy. Um, There's only two other third basemen in the history of the sport who have played, who are, who are, six, five or taller and have played as many games at third base in the history of baseball. And that's Troy Glouse and Chris Bryant and Glouse's last, uh, last year at third base, his last full-time year, he was 31 and Bryant really hasn't been a full-time third baseman now since, uh, gosh, 2019, he was 27. He's played some games there since, but not any more than, I don't know. He played 55 games there in 2021 as a 29 year old. He did not play a game of, third base last year or the year before that. So um, all this is to say is that like, and, and I know there's some people who really took offense to me, like in a recent story saying that Boehm is eventually going to have to move off third. Like I, I do believe that it's not because he hasn't tried hard and he, it's not because he hasn't made himself better there because he has. Right. 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 Hard at it. Um, but, but it's just like th- he would be defying, you know, what we know of conventional baseball history. Um, if he stays at third base, you know, <laughs> in, into his thirties, uh, and, and that's going to make it hard for them to keep him if Bryce Harper is, is your full-time first baseman. Uh, Bohm is 27. He turns 28 uh, in August. So essentially when he's about to become a free agent, he's going to be right around his age 30 season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like, it, it's hard to see. I think you're right. I mean, like, for their purposes, the fact that we're not having any more debates right now about whether he can – you know, be a third baseman on a contending team, a, a, a decent enough third baseman. 
um, that's a huge win that, that oh, yeah. he is and, and, and that he has been and, you know, should continue to be, at least in the near future. Um, I, you know, beyond that, I, I, I don't know where he fits. I don't. And like, you know, in, in the interim, like you want to see if you see big power gains from him, you know, maybe he's a DH. I don't know. I mean, like maybe Harper goes back to the outfield. Maybe Bohm sees such great power gains. That you're like, we have to find a way to make this work. Um, and you move around some pieces to make that work. I, I don't know. I mean, Schwarber's got two more years left as the, you know, you presumably be the full-time DH in 2024 and 2025 before mm-hmm. he's a free agent again. So I, I don't know. I mean, but you're, you're right. I mean, I think the pieces are lining as such. And, you know, I thought this, I went, actually went back and I'm not trying to like give myself a paw pat here on the back, but I went back to when they signed Nick Castellanos that day. The paw pat. And I, and I, uh, I had like, I, I published a story. It was like 10 thoughts about the the signing. Just, you know, it was, they put them over the luxury tax the first time. It was really a lot, in a lot of ways, a, a watershed signing for them. Just, just, um, you know, in, in the, the reasons behind it. And at that moment, I thought the biggest loser at that time was Reese Hoskins. And mm. it moved out to play that way out. I mean, yes, you, you, you started to looking at the pieces and you're like, how does he fit? And he didn't fit beyond his club control years. So I think your inclination is accurate on Bohm. Again, I, we can't stress this enough. This is a, a critical thinking shades of gray thing. We're not saying this dude is a bad player that he is destined to be bad and, and all this. And that we're also talking about a problem it. three years from now. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is lower down the list. It is later in the show. We're, we're coming up on the second half hour <laughs> and this is where we, this is where we bury these things. Um, yes. We have very structured priority order for this, for this show. No, I, it, it, it's hard every time I have to talk about these things and, and guys moving off of something or moving off of the team or talking about fit, because it almost seems like every time this discussion happens and whether I mean it or not, whether anybody else who's talking about it means it or not, it almost seems like part of it comes down to assigning some sort of blame to the player we're talking about. We talk about Hoskins being squeezed out of things, and that wasn't his fault. I mean, the injury, certainly. But there was just it was a fit problem for other reasons that came into play as things progressed and as the years wore on. It didn't seem like for a while, and it was just conjecture at that point, it didn't seem like for a while the Phillies were going to make him that kind of long-term offer. They were content to wait and see how things played out. And of course, it played out the way it did. And now he's in Milwaukee. Now you look a little bit down the road. And first of all, all right, I'm going to look at this a different way. All right, slightly different way. How many times have the Phillies drafted a player and had them reach free agency or at the very least reach six years of major league time with them? That is a win in and of itself. It does not happen often. Like how many, how many damn times have we talked about, you know, oh man, this depth problem, it can be traced back to player dev and, you know, (laughs) missing on some of these draft picks and, you know, not getting guys progressing through the upper minors and this, that, and the other thing, how often that happens. And now you have a guy who, you know, has reached his first arbitration year, has made improvements and has made it a case where, the fact that we're talking about have him having to move positions eventually, again, not even this year, in the future, is causing consternation. Like he has he has played his way into having more vocal defenders than many, many players the Phillies have drafted and tried to develop before him. 
So many, <laughs> 99% of them. Um, and the fact that we're having this discussion is a just, it's a tremendous win for him. It's great. But it is important because he is currently a key piece of this team. He is, you know, only in his late 20s. Now in his late 20s, we can say that he's 27. Uh, plays an important position and has made it look much better at times than it had been in the past. Uh, there's still some work to do and still some room to grow. You know, you're talking about the power, a little bit more consistency offensively is, is something I think everybody's looking for him most of all. Um, and he's become an important topic. He has played his way into becoming an important topic. And it is not a knock against him necessarily inherently to say that, okay, he, he might need to move off third base. There's just so many other examples. You know, you listed a couple of them, uh, that are just the exceptions to this rule. Like this, it just does not happen this way. So you have to be prepared. Could he play his way into sticking it out longer than those other guys? Hell yeah, sure. Why not? But you can't call that the most likely thing right now, just based on what we've seen in the history of this game. It helps to be prepared. That's all it really comes down to. I love what Alec Bohm has done. I love that, you know, whatever Bobby Dickerson is saying is clicking for him, by the way renewing my campaign to give Bobby Dickerson a nice old raise. I don't care if he gave him one this offseason. Give him another one. He just had to give up number nine, and he wants something for it from Whit Merrifield. He'll get something. <laughs> oh, there you go. All right, so that'll that'll be yeah. his raise for this year. Um, <laughs> you, know, you know what's funny is that what? I do believe that in the arbitration hearing that Camp Boris used um, – you know, like, like published stories with Dicker, you know, with Bobby Dickerson quotes and stuff about, you know, how Bohm's work ethic and, you know, the improvements he had made, um, mm. as part of their case. That's allowed by the way. Um, okay. Well, yeah, fine. I guess it's a matter of public record. Um, how does it make you feel knowing you, one of the quotes you might've gotten from <laughs> I somebody don't know. and published in a story might've been used there. That, that would make Got me feel another weird. 600 grand. Yeah. I don't know. No, I mean, that's, I, it's, I don't know. I mean, it's just like, it's part of the reporting. I mean, it's just, it was a story is reported out of like, a, yeah, it yeah, was, yeah. you know, it was the truth. I mean, I think one of the core things that we've seen over the last two years was sort of that bond that developed between, uh, you know, Bohm and Dickerson and, um, you know, you know, starting with that three error night uh, and, and the progress ever since. It's been really fun to watch that. It's one of the core things, I think. It really is. Yeah. And so everybody, everybody who who might have bristled at the thought of talking about Alec Bohm moving now. Look, I get it. I empathize with you. I do. I do. If you have a guy that you've latched onto in some way or are, are proud of the strides he's made or you're watching somebody grow into, you know, something to whether it's overcoming adversity or just generally becoming a good player. You always kind of hesitated the thought of somebody coming like, well, actually, and I get that. That's not what we're doing, but it can seem like that. It really can. I get it. It's just a matter of, of discourse. I hate using that word, but I'll use it. Here. <laughs> it's, it's just an ugly, it's such not an ugly ever since you, you said be prepared. And I'm now just thinking about the Lion King. Because, oh, my God. Uh, my daughter's obsessed with that movie now. Well, my son, you know, uh, that all of January, I probably watched the Lion King at least 60 times. <laughs> and I don't know if this is a concerning thing, but my son's favorite character is scar and oh his boy. favorite song is be prepared. Uh, well, so yeah, well, it's, a, it's a jam. It's, it's an unabashed jam. Jeremy irons is, you know, he's a, he's a golden <laughs> he's God. Really good. <laughs> um, what else can you say? Uh, for her part, my daughter's favorites are uh, Timon and Pumbaa and she loves Hakuna Matata. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's great. Nice little Lion King diversion there. 
Uh, Are there any guys you're looking forward to seeing in in games? Ooh, ooh, okay, all right. That's a good. Uh, that's a it good. Could be way totally to random. Anybody like, uh, you know, fighting for a job or just somebody who's in camp. You're like, well, I've never really seen this guy play very much. I just want to see what it looks like. Yeah, 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 know. yeah. Okay, all right. I, I got one for you. I'm not normally a huge advocate of guys coming in being like, oh, nobody believed in us or like having this huge chip on their shoulder because I find that annoying. I think that's kind of what like the 49ers brought that energy they brought all season last year after losing out in the NFC championship game to the Eagles, they were just really annoying about it. And so I don't like, I don't like guys who do that anymore, but if there's anybody who has kind of a prove it mentality, I feel like it might have to be Carlos de la Cruz, right? Mm -hmm. Here's a guy who was exposed to rule five, who is, you know, a little bit older for a minor league player who made some, some progress last year and everybody passed on him. Everybody passed on him two years in a row. Yeah. Oh, two years. That's right. Two years in a row. I think he was rule five, two years in a row. Yeah. Um, yeah. Here's a guy who still has, you know, a ways to go. Silly power. He He's he's huge. Yeah. He can crank the ball when he makes contact. He's got speed. He can play good defense in the outfield. You know, he's not just all arms and legs. He can actually coordinate a little bit. I want to see what he brings this spring. We've had a chance to see him a little bit here and there in, in springs past. But now it almost feels like he could be on the cusp of something. Maybe he could be nearing a, a debut of some kind as a reinforcement. You know, we talk about contingency plans. If somebody goes down, outfield depth is really thin right now. You know, Simone Muziati was just booted off the 40. David Dahl was invited to camp. He's, you know, a former top prospect who has been hurt a lot and not really performed well. Cal Stevenson is around again. You know, former Philly's great. Um, there's a chance he's li- Carlos is listed as an infielder because of his work at first base on the NRI page, but he can play outfield. He's mostly been working out with the outfielders. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to see what he can do. It's not everything with results. You just don't want to see him strike out a lot. I feel like in spring. So I, w- I want to see what he can bring. Do you- yeah. I was actually, I actually, I actually was like, uh, when, you know, so with these workouts, it's great because they're, they're working on so many different fields and it's all spread out. So, you, you know, there's a little more, flexibility in terms of like what you're doing. And, um, I just happened to be on, a, on one of the back backfields and there was barely anyone back there. And, uh, Brock Stassi, uh, former uh, Phillies, who's now the double a hitting coach. He was basically running this one on this one field. He was running, uh, BP and Dela Cruz is in that group. So I ended up just standing. I usually don't get real, real close to the cage because it's not my place to be. Sure. Um, it's not that I'm not allowed to, it's, just, I don't, I don't feel that it's my place to be like that close, but um, it was just Brock back there and we started talking and, and I was able to get close and like watching Dale Cruz, like just take BP, you know, right, right from right behind the cage. Uh, it, it's something I mean, like the power is legitimate. It's just like, can, you know, can he make enough contact? The right. ball just jumps off his bat. It's crazy. Um, he's a big guy. David Buchanan had the line. He's like, man, I left. He's like, I left the country and I come back and like, I saw, I saw Dale Cruz. I saw him. He's like, his locker is a few down from me. I was like, is this guy playing the wrong sport? Did I come back to the wrong sport? He's like, this guy's too tall to be playing football, uh, baseball. He should be playing basketball. It's very funny. Um, am I looking forward to seeing anybody? I don't know. Uh, I'd hope so. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a long list of guys. I got, it's funny because Orion Kirkering has more postseason innings than he does regular season innings. Then he does Grapefruit League innings. He's never pitched in the Grapefruit League. Um, so, like, I, I, I did watch his his live VP uh, Tuesday. It's pretty good. Um, I want to see what the sinker looks like to hitters. 
Um, I have asked, like, you know, they are definitely not going to be throwing as many sliders as they were last year. You know, it was like 80% sliders, and it was a formula that probably, uh, you know, wasn't going to work. I think they were, like, looking at it as, like, this is a new pitch. Guys haven't seen it. Like, let's just spam it and see what happens. And, um, you know, probably probably came back to bite them, um, not having as effective of a mix. So I want to see how he mixes in his pitches this spring. He's definitely somebody I'm watching. Uh Spencer Turnbull, like, I, you know, maybe that's a boring answer, but uh, kind of curious to see what it looks like. Um, this guy, like, had a decent stretch as a big league starting pitcher, and uh, they will probably need a sixth or seventh, you know, pitcher, like a solid big league starting pitcher at some point this year, and I, I am intrigued by him. Uh, Want to see what it looks like because it was not a good year last year, so I, I'm interested to see him. See it's nice, like it's nice to um, balance out the um, Spencer count with the Braves. That's one way we'll be able to keep up. <laughs> Bryce Harper was mentioned. Bryce Harper mentioned actually name dropped, and this is probably because he's a fellow Boris client. I guess he's mandated, you know, mandated to do that. But he did name drop Spencer Turnbull, uh, just totally randomly in his like you know little state of the Bryce. Uh, hmm gaggle with reporters and it made me laugh because i was like thinking the last time that bryce harper was you know like advocating for a phillies pitcher named spencer howard yeah i remember that like it was like the 2020 season and like it was the COVID year and like bryce is basically if this guy's not starting the fourth game of the season for us you know something's gone wrong remember that that's right yeah yeah Yeah. that feels like three decades ago (laughs) oh boy yeah, I was Spencer more... Howard is with somebody this spring. Uh the Giants. Right? <sighs> okay. No, he signed there with, at the end of last year. Is he still with the Giants? Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, I was marveling at how it's already year 3 of Schwarber and Castellanos. How we're already coming up on the halfway point of the Harper deal. Everything Bryce since, Harper is 31 years old. Yeah. Everything everything since that 2020 season has like accelerated in time. Like it's, it just feels very, very fast lately. It's wild that, you know, Schwarber is here for two more years and then is a free agent already. Like, I don't know. It's the time is time is odd lately. I'm perceiving it very strangely. And yes, the fact that Bryce Harper is already, you know, 31 years old. We were well, only 31. Only 31. Yes, that's true. Spencer yeah. Howard is an NRI with the Giants. He is with way. the Giants. Okay. Yeah, I was actually looking up. I'm like, Harper's, he's still, for all the time he's spent in this league, he's still half a year younger than Aaron Judge. It's just like, it, it's helpful. Is to he get really? That. Oh yeah, it's still helpful to get that that's, context every once in a while. That's great. That's crazy. That's crazy. Anyway. Well, uh, games this weekend. Games this weekend. Matt, I'm just, I'm pumped, man. I, I like being able to just put, a spring game. I can't really call it background because I, I pay more attention than I think some <laughs> than I think some of these games deserve, especially in the later innings where things get really incredible. I the, these games from the sixth inning on, uh, especially early on when they need to work more guys because the camps are a little heavier into these games. It just it gets wild to me. It it starts looking like college games. Sometimes I'm sorry. I know that's not really fair to guys who are pro baseball well, players, but like, but I mean, no, it's a smaller camp roster. Like they they will be calling over like a ton of guys uh, from the minor league side to fill uh-huh. out these games, especially early on. I think. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna see like ten guys come over every day. I think. Beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. Great. <laughs> it's great. 
<laughs> I love it. Yes. G- give me more of that. Give me more of like two guys wearing the same number in the field at the same time, like both wearing number 73 and left I mean, and right you might field. get that because yeah, like, man. The, the minor leaguers still only have the red tops, which are banned now and the major league side for the Phillies. So I don't know how they're going to do that. They're probably going to be wearing jerseys with a number and no name on the back. Pinstripe jerseys. Oh, yes. Yeah. This is, this is yes. great. <laughs> yes. Yes. Give it to me. I love it. I love the mess. I love the mess of spring training baseball. It's great. Does it go on too long? Yeah, sure. But it's so messy and it's beautiful. I can't wait. I'm so I'm so pumped for this meaningless stuff to start happening this weekend. Oh man. This was great. This like really injected a little a little bit more energy just talking about this because it's like January and February are tough months in the Northeast. They just feel dreary and tough. And I'm somebody who likes snow and I'm saying this. Like it's just it's hard to get through some of these things, especially as a big, you know, baseball fan. Baseball's my number one, <laughs> clearly. Uh when you're just waiting and waiting and waiting for stuff to just happen again. And now it's here, it's on the doorstep and I feel like color coming back into my cheeks and I'm like making sure I can access, you know, my MLB TV. I think I actually got my renewal notice in my email the other day. That's how you know it's back. When you, when the league starts being like, yeah, we're going to charge you 150 bucks. Get ready. I'm like, yeah, take my money. Let's go. It's great. I feel good. It's it's unbridled, and I hope everybody stays healthy, and I keep riding this way for as long as possible. Uh, Kodai Senga already hurt today. Did you see that? Oh, I did not. What did he do to himself? Arm fatigue. Ah, okay. It's not what you want. It's not necessarily what you want in in late February now. No. Uh, Speaking of fatigue. Also, I did send you one last thing. You did. (laughs) I did send you the Sixto Sanchez photo. Oh, yes. That's right. We hadn't mentioned that. Um, it's like it's just oh, like man. yeah talk about time and like oh man you know <laughs> it's I'll never, like i'll never forget and 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 it was maybe the best pitching performance i've ever seen i saw him one night uh, pitch at lakewood he was in low a uh-huh. and it was like six no hit innings and it was like the most dominant pitching performance i think i'll ever see in my life he was 19 years old mm. um and now he's looks you know to be rather out of shape and has thrown one inning in professional baseball in the last three years like he's basically on the verge of being out of baseball and uh, it's crazy. The passage of time as enveloped in the body of Sixto Sanchez, <laughs> a memoir. <laughs> uh, no, I was very happy. I think that's the word that you shared that it was, it was wild to see him. I, I hope he comes back and, and is effective. I have no It'd idea. It'd be great if he comes back. I, I don't, I don't think he's ever going to pitch in babies again. Well, so maybe he I, surprises me. That, that's part of the mess of spring, right? We get to see. We get to see what he looks like. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. All right. Uh, enough of this kind of energy. I think I'll spare you all the rest. I need to finish out my day and pick up my daughter with this bright smile on my face later on. Uh, <laughs> you going to tell her about... She's going to watch the Grateful League games with you this weekend? You know, oh, man. I'm going to try... She doesn't really like when the TV isn't on something that she wants to watch. So <laughs> yeah, I think, oh, yeah. We'll, <laughs> I think yeah. we'll have to kind of work on that. But it is my goal. Look, I'd be lying to myself if I said I wouldn't be disappointed if she ended up not liking baseball. That said, it is better if she doesn't like baseball than if she becomes a Braves fan somehow. So as oh, long geez. as that doesn't happen, <laughs> hey, 
you know, people up here became Cowboys fans for some reason. So like, I, I'm not going to rule it out entirely. Um, but I'm working on it. It's a goal. I'm trying. She knows, she knows Philly. She knows the logo. She knows the fanatic. She knows the sport when it's on the TV. So like, yeah, a little, a little bit's here and there. She's two and a half for those of you who are curious. Uh, so they're going to we'll sell see. a lot of those. They're going to sell a lot of those fanatic, uh, BP hats. Oh, I would think so. Yeah. That's a great look. They're pretty cool. Yeah, One of the things cool. they're doing right. Cause we're not going to talk about the jerseys. Yeah. We will not talk about it. I'm tired right. of talking about the jerseys. Good. I'm yeah. tired of it. I think a lot of players are tired of it too. Yeah. Honestly, tired of the jerseys, tired of whiz wit. We're just ready to play some ball, man. <laughs> Let's get to it. Okay. So first game on TV is this weekend, this Saturday against Toronto. Uh, believe MLB Network will be carrying it uh, since all of us down here in the States will be out of market. So it's tune. in Dunedin. So yes, it's not on NBC Sports Philly because it's a yeah. real game. It's in Dunedin. Right, right. And then I think the first home broadcast is Sunday uh, is Yankees at home. Yes. Yep. Thank you. Noah's going to start that game. So you'll see him on TV. Oh, perfect. Oh it's, oh, it's so good. I'm so excited, Matt. I'm so happy it's back. Um, <laughs> before we before we part, before we say goodbye for another five days to a week i don't know uh what's in the pipeline man what can we look forward to seeing on the page from you uh i have a story about jt up uh we didn't really discuss at all i, I, I do think it's kind of interesting we can you know circle back oh god wow i just can't believe i just said that we can maybe talk about it at some <laughs> point uh you know later this spring we plenty to talk about him He's and then i have uh yeah shit <laughs> uh and and i have a feature on uh on one of your guys uh, Griff McGarry, that'll be uh, oh, okay. online Thursday morning. Um, okay. You know, I think it's season kind of an interesting guy in this camp. I don't know how much we're going to see him in games. We may not see him at all, honestly. Oh, wow. interesting. Okay. So it's still that early on in his rebuilding that they might not it, even try it, it out. Yeah, we'll see. I think he'll get into games. I'm not 100% sure about that yet. Okay. So, okay. But okay. I do think there's some interesting. Uh, I hope people find it interesting. I hope you find it interesting, the story. Matt, I love your stories. <laughs> and we will need to talk about the JT thing, yes. But now, for now, for now, we will be to do. We will talk about JT revamping uh, his swing because I do think there's a lot of interesting like biomechanic talk and just the way we can think about extending careers, especially for a catcher. Like it's it's a really interesting idea. Okay, great. Thank you all for making it this far. I hope you enjoyed. Games are right around the corner. We will not be back with you most likely before then, but we'll catch you again early next week with another check in uh, as. Matt kicks off his last week down in Florida. Last week and a half, I guess, by that point. Um, and we'll see where things go from there. Great. Hope you enjoyed. Make sure to watch some of the games this weekend, even if you don't uh, pay sicko level attention like I will. Just enjoy it. Baseball is coming back. The games may not matter, but their presence does. So hopefully you get some enjoyment out of that. For Matt, I am Paul. We'll talk to you again soon. Go Phils. Go Phils.